Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Great to be back at you after a outstanding weekend. Hope everybody out there had a good weekend, sports and or otherwise. The big dog and the coach here on the two guys at a mic show, bringing you sports and much, much more here for the next uh, 58 minutes and 26 seconds. But who's counting? David Olson, producer extraordinaire, other side of the glass. Hope we get a great week of programming coming up. It's got to be a great week because this Friday will be our first football Friday of the season. Football was in the air. We had a full high school slate over the weekend. And nothing can be more exciting than the third week of professional exhibition football. Moments, that one's please. A little bit of music, and then we will uh, kick this particular show off and hopefully get this week off and running, or at least into a slight jog. very much david olson the music uh, of the talkzone.com it's inspirational it's constipational it's a little bit uh, in between constipation i don't know if that's a word but i kind of like it. it can kind of back you up if you listen to it long enough i guarantee it will back you up and then if you listen to it over and over and over again it will actually have the opposite of effect it will loosen you up thank you very much we are america's number one breakfast show as long as you're not eating breakfast 888-463-6748, the phone number, lots to talk about, big weekend in sports. Eh, actually it wasn't that big of a weekend in sports, but uh, there's still plenty to talk about, and we'll get off the sports page too. we got to talk a little Republican convention, we got to talk a little uh, weather situation with Hurricane Isaac, and of course those two items are related. We have an obituary of the day, certainly uh, one of the great astronauts and one of the great moments. In American history with Mr. Neil Armstrong, so we'll talk about that for sure. A couple of headlines uh, off the sports page as well. So we got all that for you. And again, we'll try to do it in the short amount of time that they allot us. Uh, first of all, football over the weekend. The Chicago Bears did. It was weird because, I, again, I didn't watch that. I watched very little bit of exhibition football, a little bit of highlights, some of the comments. But they did win the game, right? Very odd, because outside of, if you wouldn't have seen the score, you would have thought the Bears lost like 31 to 3. I mean, everybody was critical. And again, exhibition football game, you really can't tell much. Way too much. And, and I think it's just the human instinct that we've been without football so long, and there's so many Bear fans that are so completely into this particular club that you're, 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 it's just your natural instinct to read too much into it. So it's understandable to a sort, but it's a, it's, un, it's part understandable, but it's part laughable, too. The analysis, the urinalysis from overanalysis. By the way, have I had the analysis of my urinalysis, David? Does that come in you? No, David's shaking his head. Thank you very much. That's probably why I'm still on the air. Yeah, me and Lance got a thing going on. Um, yeah, but they were criticizing everything. Defense, special teams, running game. Passing game, even the uh, the beloved Jay Cutler, who all of a sudden, after getting injured last year and playing five good games, is you know the, the next great coming and the greatest quarterback to ever play in a Chicago Bear uniform. We'll see. It's just curious how much love this guy is getting. 
and his wide receiver crew. Apparently, they were you know a little bit off, didn't quite make all the connections, and the running game, and the offensive lines. Everybody complaining about everything, and, and again, the Bears won. I don't watch the game, but somebody please give me a call, 888-463-6748. I need to know how he won the game. Not that it really matters, but they did keep score. And the Bears beat the Giants, and, oh, the Giants are the defending Super Bowl champions, and we beat them 20-17, to so I don't know how we could have played that bad. Maybe the third stringers played great. David, you alluded to it, though. They did make the first set of cuts. So some names, and, um, you know, I always get a little... Maybe 25% I laugh it off and 75% I I get irritated when I hear, you know, these, these sportscasters, usually about five feet, nine inches tall, that never played on any of their high school teams talking about, ah, yeah, we had to watch third stringers play. You know, a low-level football, the crummy third stringers, and, you know, and some of those guys did get cut. Well, let me just remind you that the quote-unquote crummy third stringers that you had to suffer through and watch were all invited to an NFL pro football camp. That means they probably played in junior high football when you got large numbers, at least you used to. And then that select group, you've heard me go in this diatribe before, goes to high school, and they try out for the freshman and sophomore team, and only the best of the best move on from freshman and sophomore and make the varsity team. Varsity team's pretty elite in most communities. A lot of battling. Some of the big public schools. I mean, you've got to be the best of the best. There's a lot of good players. Come with me here. Come come down the road with me here. Don't, don't don't lose me. Don't go to WGN and listen to Kathy and Judy or whatever. Actually, Kathy and Judy have been off the air for about who do they got? They got Brandemeyer on now, right? Jonathan Brandemeyer. And Brandemeyer's done for the day. Uh, well, they yeah, they got right some now. guy with a deep voice who also sounds like he's a little backed up. Might have a little constipationology. But but don't go over to the you know the WGNs just yet. Roll with me here. So your high school varsity players are, are, in many cases, especially the big public schools, pretty elite players. All right, now we move on to college, only the best of the best, the very elite. I don't know, 5%. I haven't seen the exact stats. 5% of these elite high school varsity players move on to college. I'm not done yet. We're, we're, we're working our way up to the quote-unquote crummy third stringers that you had to suffer through and watch in the second half. So now they go they go on to college and you know you got what seventy eighty guys on a college team. The last time I checked, only eleven start on offense, eleven start on defense. So once again, of all these, and again, every college team now you got seventy eighty guys on the team. They're all the best of the best, coming from high school. And now you're going to take the best of the best of the best of the best, very elite group, and put them in the top college players, and only the best of those get drafted get to start for their college teams, gets an invite to a professional football camp. So these guys are, you know, the, the top 1%, and we got a bunch of five foot nine inch Jewish sports tacos calling them, you know, because they had to watch the crummy third stringers in the second half. Well, just keep in mind, these guys are elite players too. Thank you very much. I will now step off my uh, semi-alandrated soapbox. 888-463-6748, the phone number. We did get the first set of cuts. I know there was a local kid, uh, the uh, quarterback, Matt Blanchard, who was amongst the cuts. I was kind of rooting for him because I saw him play his high school football, but I think he was battling for that fourth, the third quarterback position, and he did get released. Hopefully he'll get picked it's up. It's time for the season. easiest part of any coach's job. 
the cut. Now, while I wasn't able to cut everyone I wanted to, I have cut a lot of you. Wendell is cut. Rudy is cut. Janie, you're gone. Stephen, I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. Congratulations. The rest of you made the team. <sighs> Except you, you and you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Nice to have a cut from Bobby Knight back in his younger days at the Indiana University. Amazing how his voice has changed. Oh, don't get me started on cuts because that's oof, that's brutal. But I, I will tell you a story I heard last week. Apparently, this this is woo, talk about embarrassing a kid. Apparently, well, not apparently. I was told the story. I'm not going to name names, and I don't even know most of the names. But uh, in our local community, a soccer team made their cuts at the sophomore level, and apparently, the coach tells the players as they're leaving. You know, there's all different ways of doing it, posting up the sheet the kids call in. Well, the coach had a quick little meeting. Each guy lined up, and then they came over, talked to the coach for a minute. Congratulations, you made the team. Sorry you didn't make it. Thanks for the effort. You know, here's some of the things you need to work on, et cetera. So you could argue one way or another whether that's the, the you know the best way to do the cuts or not. But apparently the kid got in his car, and the dad, and again, I didn't see it. I just heard the, the dad at the field. In front of the kid, in front of the teammates, in front of his fellow classmate, gets out of the car, walks towards the coach, and I guess just starts berating the coach face-to-face, expletive, four-letter words, five-letter words, even snuck a couple of two-letter words in, go figure, but just ripping on the coach about cutting his kid. A, unbelievably inappropriate. B, the embarrassment to the kid. The kid will never live that down. Never lived that down. And, I, and I'm hoping to follow up on the story. I do hope. I do hope that there's no, they didn't let this kid back on the team. Because that would have set a brutal example. But please, as a parent, you can be upset. You want to talk to the coach. But they're getting out of the car at the field in front of everybody else, yelling and screaming and swearing at the coach. And the coach, to his credit, apparently kept his composure. Just stood there and, and took it, which is about all you can do. In that situation. But at any rate, the uh, Bears made some of their cuts. They lose the game 20-17. to 17. Other uh, NFL football news and notes from over the weekend. And by the way, the Bears are at, back in action this Thursday. Mark your calendars. I know everybody's excited about that one. At Cleveland, taking on the beloved Brown. Uh, boy, and, and David, you had mentioned it too, watching the Hard Knocks show. And I just saw the Miami Dolphins released a couple of players. I saw some comments from the starters. Could be, I could be completely wrong. You could play this tape back in a month, six weeks. Miami Dolphins could be the surprise team, but but you you're looking for a ship that's going to go under quickly. The Miami Dolphins might be it. They, they just look like a disheveled bunch. Yeah, yeah. The big news what they did they uh, traded uh, Vontae Davis yep. to the Colts. Yep. And unnamed players have come out to the media and they're furious yep. that they traded the guy. Yeah, and they made some comment too about it's not just Vontae Davis. But the whole thing is, hey, I thought we were supposed to be getting better. But we keep getting rid of some of our better players. So there, there's a pretty severe cancer. they got to do some football chemo, some football radiation real quick in Miami. And their new head coach, Joe Philbin, again, you can see it via the Hard Knock Show. Uh, yeah, a nice enough guy. Probably knows football extremely well. But from a charisma effect, from a leadership effect, from a motivational effect, he ranks below Lovey Smith. And that, <laughs> and that, and I know Lovey's got the respect of the player. I'm not so, so sure Joe Philbin does. They got the whole, what do they got, that leadership console going on? 
Not sure how that's going to work. I just it just seems like they're all going about their business, but it's very morose. It's not doesn't have the energy and excitement. Anyhow, look for the Miami Dolphins to take a um, quick dive. And oh, uh, Terrell Owens, T.O., who got hooked down with the Seattle Seahawks. They took a shot at him. Uh, Terrell Owens got cut at the age of 38. So uh, we'll see if anybody else picks him up. To his credit, though, he did not fire on a Seattle uh, management. He thanked them, was very professional about it, and hopes to uh, hook on with another team. So that's your Little NFL news and notes. We got baseball. The race is uh, starting to heat up. We are about one month, one month away from the end of the regular season here. Any baseball fans out there more than happy to uh, chew the fat with you a little bit of the baseball races as they heat up here in Chicago. Our red hot White Sox uh, continue to play not only outstanding baseball, but fortuitous baseball. Every break is going their way, every bounce of the ball. Even the weather conditions yesterday, and the Sox beat Seattle 4-3, to so they've won. Uh, I think when we came back last Monday, the Sox were coming off three-game sweep, losing to Kansas City. We thought, all right, maybe, you know, they're coming back down to earth, but, boy, they have turned it around in a big way, six consecutive wins. So we got that to talk about, and a little Little League World Series, too, as Japan knocked off um, Tennessee. But the the real story was the USA Championship game. we got to bring that up. But first... Let me bring in, I believe we got him on the line right now. And again, 888 If you want to join us, sports comments and more, we have our co-host of the show checking in from dot, 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 question mark, question mark, question mark, the big dog, Joel Redwanski. Big dog, how are you? Uh, coach, I, I've definitely been, been much better. Uh-oh. I'm not complaining about working. Uh, but I, I basically did uh, eight tours in three days. I have no voice left. I'm like, I, I can't even explain how bad my throat hurts right now just talking. And I'm out in Crystal Lake, Illinois, believe it or not. Oh, I'm nice. with Butler. I'm with Butler and his children who might just come busting in right now. Uh-huh. I, I, I really don't have much, but uh, a horrible tragedy was struck the people that uh, down on the dock that I, that I work at this weekend. It was without a doubt one of the craziest days I've ever had in my entire life. Wow. On Friday night, mm-hmm. I'm leading my kayak troop back. I've got 30 five people on the water, 26 kayaks, okay? Okay. And as I'm getting back to our dock, I'm getting the first guy off the water. It just so happened that on this trip, I saw a guy dive into Lake Michigan, okay? Excuse me. Well, it was Lake Michigan, technically, where it was at, but I see a guy dive into the river. Not connected connected with your tour, correct? No, no, not connected with our tour whatsoever. guy dives into the river. I don't think anything of it. While we're paddling back right when we get to the chicago avenue bridge so i'm about 200 yards away from getting back i hear over the radio there's real calm like there's uh someone in the river uh marine unit we got to get there and then like so i just turned the radio off i'm like oh they're calling about that idiot that jumped in that's what i think right Mm -hmm. Uh, i keep paddling get to the dock i get out there and i hear somebody like joel 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 well i pull like the lad the first guy that got up there off the water and i turn and then there's all these girls that are like, like running up to me, like, help me, help me, help me. Dave is in the water. I'm like, what? And I run over there. Some guy that got off of an electric Duffy boat. You know what those things are? Those no. tiny boats. They're like tiny boats that you can put like 10 people on. Okay. Well, this, this party was getting out of their Duffy boat. There's a long dock. And I mean, this dock is like a quarter mile long, mm-hmm. but it's only 10 feet wide. And, uh, give me one second, buddy. Okay. 
uh, so this guy was, well, anyways, they, they, so you get off the dock. Imagine that there's a, a quarter-mile-long dock that's only 10 feet wide. Mm-hmm. One side is the, the Chicago River, and on the other side, there's like a foot-and-a-half section where you would drop off in the water and then a metal wall. There has to be a little room because it's a floating dock, so the dock doesn't smash against the wall. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. So there's a space. Okay. Well, the guy who I'm not going to say was drunk, because we can't make that official yet, okay, but I will say that everyone's like, he was wasted. I am, I'm, I, I would guess that he was really drunk, Coach, but I can't confirm 100% that he was drunk, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, he gets out of the boat and walks out of the boat and continues to walk straight over the 10-foot spot and, like, trips and falls in between the metal wall and the dock. Oh, boy. Falls into the Chicago River, okay? He can't swim. I don't realize this is going on. So when they said someone's in the river over the okay, over the phone, I, I over <laughs> over the intercom. I don't know what we call talking. I don't know what's going on. When I get there, these people are like, they're not acting hysterical. They're just like, he's in the water. He's in the boat. The other guy goes in. Okay, and then I ask, and I start like I I, I kind of like they have this one guy hold me by my legs, and I go into the water. I can't see anything. You know, they pull me out, and then. Uh, this other guy, this other the guy Dave is in the water looking for this guy. Well, I was I was like, did you call the Marine unit? Well, yeah, they're on their way, and I've seen how fast these guys get here. Mm-hmm. And I turn. Now this is the Goose Island part, so it's a really narrow part of the river. And I turn. I've got twenty six kayaks coming back all at once. It's gonna like it's gonna actually impede the boat in order to get in. You see what I'm talking about, Coach? So yeah. I, should I go in the water and save this guy because? I'm not sitting there pat myself on the back. I can freaking swim, and especially I can swim 15 feet down, grab somebody, and pull them back up. Mm-hmm. Or should I get my crew that I'm responsible for out of the way of this emergency boat that's going to be coming? So I was like, you know what? They're going to be here any minute now. I'm better off getting my people out of the way. Well, I get everybody out of the way, and then we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and we wait. Next thing we know, the emergency people come from land running down the stairs instead of coming from the river. Mm-hmm. They got there 20 minutes later. The guy was dead already. Oh, boy. So they, they, so they, there, they I'm like, should I go in or should I get the people out? I, you know, got to get the people out of the way. So I decided to get the people out of the way. And I'm not kidding. We're sitting there waiting and waiting. And the people are like, well, where's the emergency crew? Where's the emergency crew? And then I was like, I am going, I got to go in now. And all of a sudden they show up. Wow. So the guy, was, he, they, they pull the guy out of the water. Mm-hmm. Literally, I am not kidding you, coach. I, I'm not trying to – those Marino guys are freaking phenomenal. They do phenomenal jobs. They knew the guy was dead because when they got there, it took they took their own sweet time to get their stuff on. And I swear to you, Coach, when they jumped in the water, it was less than 40 seconds between when the first guy jumped in and they got the body up onto the dock. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I didn't understand. There was no – I don't want to point any fingers. They just must have known the guy was dead. I guess if you're in the water, more like – five minutes, you're dead. Well, they, they get the guy out. We clear a path. They get him to the hospital, and the guy's still alive. He holds on until, like, for a couple hours and eventually passes away. So I get this guy, one of my buddies who works for the other company. You know, all he did was, like, I don't know, how do you, like, I don't, I don't know how you go on after this. The guy's totally distraught, totally freaked out. You go to work one day, and somebody dies right in front of you. You know, I mean, it's, it's oh my goodness. How were his, uh, was, did, the, the friends that were aboard this little electric boat, not, were they, not they? one of them, not one of them went in and helped their friend. I'm disgusted. 
coach. But what was their reaction when the, when the guy was pulled out? Were they just com- completely besides themselves? Did anybody? I, I got I got to be totally honest with you, coach. I did not see them pull the body out. I had way too much things going on, mm-hmm. making sure that all of my people were out of the way, mm-hmm. and and they had all the emergency people had clear paths to get back and forth. I wasn't one of the people sitting there filming it like they were going to get the next great YouTube viral video. I wanted to smack people, coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you this, coach. They did not act upset. They did not. They were asking like that was my brother, and and like why is there space in between here? They're asking like litigious questions. I'm like, shouldn't you be worried about whether or not your brother is dead? But I mean, I really was like upset about this. It was like they didn't even oh, care. Wow. Wow. I, I'm, I'm not just saying that from, I'm like, the questions they were asking weren't, is he going to live? It was, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, why isn't there a light here? Why is there, uh, you know, like it was every possible thing that a lawyer would be asking in a situation where you're going to sue someone. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was disgusted. I was disgusted by mankind with the way these people acted. Wow. And you, you like, can't. Uh, Dave and I are going in like we're, well, Dave goes in after somebody he doesn't know. I'm going to go in. And these other people are sitting there picking their nose asking, you know, hey, we can probably sue for this. You know, it's, I, yeah. I, I'm disgusted, coach. Yeah. If that, if that was their intent, you, when something like that happens that immediately, there, there's really no premeditated thought process going on. That's almost just it's, it's interesting where the mind might fire. I almost, I almost think you can criticize more later on, Big Dog, if they start going after that. But, you know, that's just like an almost a natural reaction. I mean, think about that. One moment you've, you know, your brother or your friend is in the boat alive, and all of a sudden, 30 seconds a minute, five minutes later, he's pulled out of the water dead. Oof, that's a... That's a, you almost can't blame any human emotion right there or what they're saying at the time. Okay, you're, you're right. You're no, right. I, don't, I, I don't even know if I am right. I'm saying well, that. Coach, I'm, I, I, I will tell you this. I, I'm telling you this straight up right now. If you'd have fallen in the water and somebody that, if none of your friends were there, family and friends were there mm-hmm. and didn't pull you out, I would be freaking irate. I'd be choking one of them, okay, mm-hmm. and not going after you. I just said the idea that nine people just didn't do anything. Why did it take 20 minutes for the um, Marine that's Rescue a, Crew? That's a really good question, Coach. That's an extremely good question. Somebody called him right away? Yeah, it was because when I got to the dock, they mm-hmm. were like, you just went in. You just went in. I, I realized that he didn't just go in. It was at least four minutes. I've done the math a million freaking times in my head. From when I heard he was in and I was at Chicago Avenue mm-hmm. and turned my radio off, by the time I would have got there, and got in the water, the, the guy would have been in the water already for like four minutes. Anybody okay, from but, the kayak tour think that was just part of the show? And... Uh, Not... I got to tell you, the, the people on the kayak tour that day, they were like, that was one of the most amazing nights I've ever had. And the cap it, like, they were like, that was the best night I've ever had in Chicago. Somebody said, and then it caps off with this at the end. Mm-hmm. They were like, they were like, does wow. this stuff like this happen all the time? I'm like, not over here. So. All right. A, it was a rough week. Hey, understandably shaken both uh, physically and via the vocal cords. Big Dog Joe Radwanski joining us here on a uh, beautiful Monday. Big Dog, that's a tough, tough moment. Glad you had a uh, uh, otherwise a busy and hopefully financially profitable weekend. But boy, that's that's that happened at the beginning of the weekend. You said Friday night, right? Friday night. Oof. I didn't sleep at all on Friday. Wow, I yeah. couldn't sleep at all, and then I had to do like. Three tours on Saturday. I have no voice left. It, it literally is hurting my throat to speak right now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. uh, 
I like the people over there. He should have been a coach. Well, if you got, I don't know if I can handle coach's voice. I don't know if I could do a coach, mm-hmm. but be able to scream at the top of your lungs constantly. Yeah, you got you got you got a little coach speak going on today. Though. You know, the little raspy voice. It's it's not bad. It works for radio. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, we were opening up the show, Big Doto. Don't forget now, by the way, this Friday, and I know it's a tough transition here after something like that, but we got our first football Friday. We'll play Beat the Schmoes coming up on Friday. We got college football starting on Thursday. And I also made the comment, uh, sounds like you, similar to me, did not watch much of the exhibition football game, but the Bears got lambasted by almost the entire media and the fans, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, and they did win the game 20-17. to 17. I found that kind of odd. Uh, well, this they have high expectations. I could care less about a win in preseason. If they didn't play good football, if the starters didn't play good football, they mm-hmm. deserve to be lambasted. Mm-hmm. Not not too much though. Let's let's take a deep breath, everyone. They play the Colts the first week of the season, and that that that'll be a good game, coach. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to like. I really can't go on and on today. I, I, I'm let me drink some tea and chill out this afternoon or this morning. Plus, I'm yep. at Butler's house with those kids. Yep. I do got to go. Yeah, but I do want to say something. I said Russell Wilson was the best quarterback in this draft, didn't I? Whenever I talk about Robert Griffin III and Andrew Luck and Tannehill, Russell Wilson is now the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And even though they paid Matt Flynn $19 million in this offseason, Pete Carroll realized that the best quarterback on his team was the kid from Wisconsin last year. Yeah, they just let go of uh, They sent Tavares Jackson, I think they're – their supposed backup quarterback, they sent him packing, so even more confidence in Russell Wilson. Yeah, I'm saying the kid is a football player, and I wanted the Bears to draft him in the second round or third round. Well, he got drafted in the third round, and he's going to start opening opening uh, Sunday for, mm-hmm. the, for the Seattle Seahawks. So that's a, it's a pretty big story around the NFL. They have five rookie quarterbacks starting the first week. Young man so. who played for the Wisconsin Badgers but played for just a year. Most of his uh, collegiate career played at Maryland, uh, and I think Wisconsin. No, no, doing... North Carolina State. North Carolina State. Okay. But Wisconsin now has Maryland's transfer this year. That's so. what I was thinking of. I was going to say yeah. Wisconsin's doing it all over again. They bring in a transfer who's eligible for just one year again, right, Big Dog? Uh, yeah, and if yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if you're if you have a freshman quarterback that's going to start, I would much rather have a transfer come in for one year than a senior. It's a trend that's starting in college football, and I'm not sure it's one that I like. It's it almost you know it's going to start turning me off like the like the uh, the the pro teams with their late trades at the trading uh-huh. deadline. Turn you know you got a team that you build, and then all of a sudden with one month left in the season, the Los Angeles Dodgers you know pick up four quality players from the Boston Red Sox, and now they're a member of the team with one month left in the season. That bothers me. Same thing. It's just kind of right. Maybe I have to get used to it, but a kid who plays at one school for four years and then another school picks him up just for a year. Well, well Coach, I, I'm going to be – I don't want to get into this whole argument for you. The last two months of the, the whole July 31st trade deadline, that's been a baseball thing forever. But it, what makes the college football transfer disgusting is this. The kid from Maryland – will then go, oh, I want to go to University of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Then it goes through the whole list of, of graduate programs they have at Wisconsin, <laughs> finds one that they yep. don't have at Maryland, yep. and then he tells the NCAA, I want to do a graduate program in this, and Maryland doesn't have it, but Wisconsin does, so I don't get to lose my eligibility I can right. transfer this year. Right. That's kind of, that's like really, that's like, okay, let's, let's, let's be lawyerish, look at every single mm-hmm. possible situation and say, hey, there's, uh, it says here that it's okay to, it's like, uh, it's just not cool, Coach. I, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, there's If your coach transfers or your, something like that, if your coach leaves, you should be able to transfer. 
you shouldn't be able to transfer your fourth year just because you feel like you have a better chance well, of winning a major bowl by playing at Wisconsin as opposed to Maryland. For okay, some of them, it's actually it's their fifth year of college, right? Isn't that how the deal works? Well, as long as you graduate, Coach, as long as you graduate, mm-hmm. you can go to a different school as long as they don't have a graduate course in what you want to graduate. What you want to study? Okay. So, so in other words, a guy that's played three years, maybe he was redshirted, maybe he was injured at one particular institution, and now uh-huh. he's he's graduated. Yeah, so yeah, if graduate. if he goes into a whatever the you know master's program or whatever, and if it's in the same field as the school he's at, the NCAA will not allow that transfer. Exactly. If, if Maryland has whatever he wants to graduate, gotcha. study and graduate, he All can't right. do it. That's talk about a rule you can get around pretty easy. That would be that's, it. That's my point. Yeah, right. exactly. So more, more importantly, they might Russ, not want anything to do with ancient Chinese art studies, but they didn't <laughs> have it at Maryland. But he's going to take that, and, he'll, and as soon as the football season's over, he's going to drop out anyway. Yep. So yep. it's uh, five rookie quarterbacks. Uh, Andrew Luck is going to start for Indy, no doubt about it. Robert Griffin the third for the Redskins. Ryan Tannehill going to start for the ship that is sinking. We talked about that before you joined us, the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, 1-15 this Oof, year. They'll, man, they'll you talk about England on, They'll beat New England on Monday night and shock everybody. <laughs> That'll be their only win of the whole entire year. Yeah. Seriously, and they're, going, they're horrible. That team's pathetic. They'll, they'll pour Gatorade over head coach Joe Philbin. He better enjoy it because it might be the only time. Um, and then you got Russell Wilson. Be, Who, in, uh, who's the Russell fifth quarterback? Uh, we're probably missing Andrew Luck. <laughs> The number one overall pick. No, no, no. We got Luck, Griffin, Russell Wilson. Now Ryan Tannehill. Who's number five? And and and, and Whedon from the Cleveland Browns. Ah, that's right, Brandon uh, Whedon. He, 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 Brandon Whedon better learn how to how to duck because he's in the same division <laughs> as the Ravens and the Steelers. He's yeah. going to get his helmet handed to him. The worst defense that he faces in that division is the Bengals, who are the best defense in football last year statistically. Yeah. Let's face it, that's not going to happen again with the Ravens and Steelers in the same division. <laughs> So, uh, they actually have a drill. Leading, you better have your insurance filled yeah. out, seriously, because that dude's like 74 years old. Okay, he's going to be 78 by the time the year's done. Yeah, yeah, he's not your typical rookie, right? The guy's like 27? Yeah, he's he's old because he, uh, uh, he got a huge baseball signing bonus to be a uh, pitcher, but he, it, it didn't work out. I thought maybe so. he went to a uh, – maybe he was Mormon and he went on like a four-year Mormon mission. Well, he's he's a redheaded stepchild, so uh, he was treated like that. Yeah, that can't do it. 888-463-6748, the phone number, dog, and the coach with you up until 11 o'clock. Now, Big Dog, did you say you have to go? Coach, yeah, I do have to go because I have to catch a train. I'm in a, I'm in a very particular strange situation right now. So <laughs> All right, my friend. I, I didn't mean to just you, and I do need voice rest a little bit. Right. So. Crystal Lake is a beautiful community, so I was, I was up there over the weekend, so say hi to it for me. I will. I'm surprised you were there. I'll be I'll be ready to go tomorrow morning. I'll be all set and ready, Coach. Ladies and gentlemen, there it is, the big dog. Not Unfortunately, not with a brush with death, but up close and personal with a tragedy on the Chicago River over the weekend. I don't recall reading about that in the paper, but, oof. man, that's brutal. That is brutal. 888-463-6748 here on the Two Guys at a Mike Show, TalkZone.com. David, one Headline, and I don't want to pontificate here, but uh, it, it did hit me because in the Chicago Tribune they had their headline story, and then they've got their inside little teaser stories. And we talk about how some people get, and again, I don't want to start uh, moralizing here, but I'll just touch on it a little bit because it was so obvious the way the two stories were next to each other. But teaser story number one, 329 found dead in Syrian massacre. Right underneath that uh, 
Bears worried about running game also. And what bothered me is, sadly, and again, I'll try to avoid the moralizing, but I'll get into it a little bit here, is that there's probably a lot of people, David, and those of us in the sporting world can easily get sucked into it, that are going to spend a lot more time thinking about, commenting, and talking about the Bears' running game than the little two-page ditto, 329 massacred, found dead in Syria. And that is the uh, capital letters, 22-point print, sad but true fact. And I think we all, myself included, got to think about that once in a while, maybe even more than once in a while. All right, 888-463-6748, the phone number. Neil Armstrong, uh, Neil Armstrong, David, passing away over the weekend at the age of 82, our obituary of the day. And uh, when my son first told me Neil Armstrong passed away, I thought it was the Bears coach. Who could forget it? That started me off on another tangent. Thinking about, I was thinking about that driving in. And I want to get back to the astronaut Neil Armstrong. But the coaches the Chicago Bears have had over the years, because I started thinking how milk toast and dry and dead to the earth, nice enough guy, but, I mean, just as a head coach, about as blasé, about as tasteless vanilla as you could possibly get, Neil Armstrong. And I started thinking about the Bear coaches. Over the years, and I, you know, the Chicago Bears, black and blue, Midwest tough, slap around a side of beef in a Chicago meat house, Chicago Bears. And they've had Neil Armstrong, I'm going to probably miss a few here, Jack Pardee, you're too probably too young to remember him. Any Bear fans out there, you want to uh, help me out and fill on the list here, 888 Neil Armstrong, Jack Pardee, Dick Duran. Oh, brilliant mind. But, you know, personality just, I, mean, I don't know how you can rank those three. And then you throw in Lovey Smith, put him in there too. Four of the most charismaless coaches you could ever get. Then you get the, the, the weird offbeatness of a David Wanstead. I don't know how you describe Coach Wanstead, but you certainly don't describe him as a great coach. Great assistant coach but not a great code. Then there were the brief moment in time they went over the top and got the other extreme in Abe Gibron. Somewhere between Neil Armstrong, Dick Durant, Lovey Smith, and Abe Gibron, who was colorful and mercurial, but he was just hollering, shouting, and joking, and actually forgot to coach and organize his team. I mean, those are both extreme. And you could even throw in, you know, Super Bowl champion Chicago icon Mike Ditka, who was a bit of a caricature. And I think, you know, in 1985, you could call him a great coach or not, but I think when we look back at it now, big picture, I don't think anybody's calling Mike Ditka a great coach. I guess he could motivate at time, but he was kind of a weird dude too. Over the top, let his ego get got in the way of his coaching. Sometimes he'd get way too emotional. I still remember Mike Ditka, you know, ripping the clipboard away from offensive coordinators when the play didn't work. I mean, you know, good, solid. Good, head coaches don't do that. So the Bear franchise, and again, the Neil Armstrong, sadly the obituary brought this up to me just as a sideline. The, the, the quality of coaches that they've hired does not anywhere come close to fitting the quality of the organization, the great tradition. George Hallis, great Bear coaches after George None of those guys I mentioned, I guess, the only one you could argue maybe is Mike Ditkin. I'm going to argue, looking back on it, no. 
wasn't a great coach. But even good coaches. I mean, most of those guys, some will argue Lovey Smith, but I think less and less are arguing that. Below average coaches. Anyhow. Neil Armstrong, age 82, passing away over the weekend, and it brought back uh, some of the memories. David, how old were you when uh, Senor Armstrong took the first walk? Uh, minus three. Really? Had not even been born. Wow. No, sir. Wow, sir. But it's still, you know, and it started going back to the, uh, you know, space exploration days. And, you know, it's it's almost easy in this day and age of technology. We've grown up with another space exploration has kind of gone down a little bit, but it still has been out there. It was certainly a lot bigger in the 60s and 70s, but all that aside, I don't want to say we take it for granted. I think most of us are amazed, but we're not amazed enough. As I was reading the description of how he, you know, and Buzz Aldrin, are they getting their little module? Where did it go off from the Kennedy Space Center? And to think, we had the technology. The human being somehow, in the brilliance of their mindset and their scientific knowledge, had the technology to take a little module with a couple of guys in it. How many was there? Three or four astronauts? Was Armstrong, Aldrin, there were a couple others, right? No, I believe it was just the three, because it was Armstrong, Aldrin, and then one of them, because Armstrong and Aldrin went down to the surface, and one of them stayed in the capsule okay. that orbited the moon. Well, I'm glad that guy stuck around. Couldn't find a parking space. He might have got frustrated and left. That would not have been a good thing. But I, I don't think we can be amazed enough. I mean, it's unbelievable. The word unbelievable is, is used way too often. The veritable essence of the word unbelievable is that we were able to get that module from ground level and to actually get it to land on the moon. It's unbelievable. I'll say unbelievable about six more times. It's unbelievable. And then the guts of those guys. I mean, the bravery, you got to figure the odds of that mission working. I mean, I'm all about being the first explorer or making history and stuff, and I can have all the training and confidence you want, but you had to believe. The odds were, like, at best 50-50. And who knows, when they're stepping outside, they had no idea what it was going to be like, right? Wow. Unbelievable. Neil Armstrong passing away at the age of 82. Yes, sir. We have a second obituary, one that's kind of sliding beneath the – it kind of went – under the radar, yep. which won't mean a lot to you, but to me and kids in my generation and even maybe your kids. Uh, Jerry Nelson, one of the original Sesame Street Muppeteers, passed away as well on Friday. Was not aware of that. There I typically uh, keep track of all the obits. It's one of the first sections I read in the paper, but Jerry Nelson. Jerry Nelson, he's the voice of the Count and Harry Monster and a bunch of the other secondary characters, uh-huh. and he was always the typical announcer and all the Muppet sketches and everything. Okay. All right. Yeah, not quite the level of a Neil Armstrong, but still significant. The Muppets were huge for your generation. Still are. They still are? Still are, yeah. With the kids? So your kids watch watch a Muppet? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They, they love the last movie, and they, they you know, they still, <laughs> they still, Although they can tr- complain about, oh, Sesame Street, we don't want to watch that. That's a baby show. If you put it on, they'll sit there and they'll watch the whole thing. <laughs> I like a four-year-old kid calling it a baby show, huh? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, goodness. All right, TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic. David, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with a little baseball talk here. we got to talk about the White Sox beating Seattle. And one of the Cub pitchers got off the schneid finally. It's been about a year since he got a victory. Uh, a couple other topics on the discussion matter, too. We'll take a quick break. Phone lines are open, folks. Big Dog is off. Back tomorrow. Resting the voice. You want to check in? We'd love to hear from you. 888 Two guys at a mic. TalkZone.com. Back in 48 seconds. the talkzone.com that was 47 seconds we're one second ahead of schedule we like to keep a tight ship i apologize for coming back one second too quick sorry about that 888-463-6748 the phone line are open if you want to dial in nine lines open if you want to try to squeeze in republican convention starting today sort of sort of it was supposed to officially start today but because of the weather conditions and hurricane isaac is uh Unfortunately, coming aboard, ready to hit the coast of Florida. I think they've evacuated Key West. How far down is Tampa, by the way? I meant to look at my Florida map. It's pretty far south, right, or not? Uh, Tampa's in about the middle of the state, actually. Yeah. Okay. Uh, But if you're in Key West right now, two words for you. Go north. Right? Just start heading north. I could check. I could check, but I think the storm is pretty pretty far into the Gulf by now. I'll I'll have to take a look. It was was yesterday when it passed through the Ah. Keys. All right. We will check on that, the uh, the path of Hurricane Isaac. But they did cancel most of the festivities for the Republican Convention today. And, uh, boy, we get the Republican Convention now. We get the Democratic one in a couple of weeks, the presidential election coming up in November. So throughout our sports talk here on the two guys at a mic show, the football season, we are going to have, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your point of view, maybe you're somewhere in the vast in between. A lot of sports guys talk politics. That's going to be a... Whether it's our show or otherwise, that's going to be right out there in the in the mindset of everybody. The media blitz is going to begin, and it starts uh, today, folks. It starts today. It actually has been started for about the last month, and I think, sad but true, most people are nauseated already by the amount of uh, campaigning and advertising blitz and stuff. But we'll see. We'll see. Republican convention, they'll get their... Um, Get their gander on. I'm sure we'll hear some tremendous motivating speeches. Paul Ryan will come up there and uh, the Mitster Mitt Romney. And Well, you, you you read about Mitt Romney. A couple of magazines recently I've, not going to say extensive research on it, but I've read a fair amount of background. And, you know, the guy himself is really, he's not a bad guy. And, and I saw that during the Republican debates, which I watched, uh, I did watch extensively. As a sports guy's talk politics fan. And, you know, a lot of the other guys, you know, the Newt Gingrichs of the world, the uh, the Herman Keynes of the world. Not Ron Paul. I like Ron Paul, but some of those guys downright scary. Rick the Dagger Santorum. 
But Mitt Romney and Rick Perry, the tech, I mean, those guys were brutal. Mitt Romney actually not that bad of a guy, but you get the feeling he is just being twisted and turned into something that he doesn't feel comfortable being. Taking on some of these more ultra-conservative views, so I worry. Um, you know, as a Democrat, he would not be my certainly not be my worst choice as a guy to be president. But I, but I do worry that he's getting influenced, and his selection of the vice president is even further uh, indication of that. Paul Ryan, pretty hardcore conservative. Mitt Romney himself, not a bad guy. Not a bad guy, really. It's just some of the policies that he's supporting now that are a little worrisome. The Mitt Romney that was governor of Massachusetts, yeah. I would vote for him. Yes. In a heartbeat. Over Barack. Over Barack. Really? Yes. Yes. This Mitt Romney, no way. Interesting. Because they're, they're two two different people. And that's that's kind of the problem with the guy. And uh, a lot of people on the other side are willing to overlook that just to get rid of Barack Obama. But mm-hmm. you really, you got a guy that's reversed on every single major position he's ever held and will say <laughs> and do anything to be president. I mean, and it's true. And the guy's been running for president for six years. Six years. Yep. That's yeah. a little strong now. You, you said he's he's reversed his opinion on every major political yes issue out there. Yes, I'm not that I'm not. I don't know if I can go quite that far. But the point, do, the point do, is do, do the research he has. That's yeah. that's that's kind of the problem. Yeah. So you know you have absolutely no idea what this guy really stands for. Mm-hmm. You know, he who doesn't stand for something will fall for anything. Thank you. And if elected, and Paul Ryan, you were mentioning him. He's 42 years old. 42 years old, and he's had seven terms in Congress. Well, right? And, 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 and that's another thing. So there's uh, a know, career you politician. Get, you, get the, you get the hardcore conservatives that are, are, are supporting this guy. He's, a, he's nothing but a career politician. <clears throat> You know, he's been he's been in Washington since he got out of college. Mm-hmm. You know, all this talk about oh, Obama's got no uh, experience in the private sector. He's, he will, I can tell you what, Obama's got more than Paul Ryan. Yeah, 42, young man. And then you then you read that he's had seven, right? he's been reelected seven different times. Yeah. Seven yeah. stints, yeah. over 20 years. So he, right out of school, boom. Wasn't he a page or who did he work for he originally? He worked for Jack Kemp. There you go. He worked for Jack, former presidential candidate yeah. Jack Kemp. Jack Kemp, he had the uh, trickle-down theory, right? Correct. Wasn't He was Correct. one of the main ones to convince Ronald Reagan to yes. go with that. Uh-huh. Jack then, Kemp, former quarterback, Buffalo Bill. <laughs> Used to have a football card of a Jack Kemp. How about Bill Bradley? Whatever happened to him? Speaking of great athletes that made great politicians. Very, I, I saw him maybe on a Bill Maher show about a year ago. Bill Bradley out of the picture. for the. I think he wrote a book, but there, there's a pretty smart guy. Intelligent guy, level-headed. Just too much, too smart, too level-headed, too non-politicized to be elected president. But he was right on the cusp. And for those who don't know who I'm talking about, Bill Bradley, this is about uh, maybe 15, 20 years ago, but he was also one of the greatest college basketball players of all time. Played for Princeton back in the day of the short shorts. You might not want to go back and look at the videos of that because the uh, the short shorts will throw you up. But Bill Bradley is one of the best college basketball players I ever said, and he had a, uh, eh, might be going slightly over the top by saying somewhat storied career playing for the New York Knicks. But he ran for press. He had aspirations, would have been a great choice. Middle-of-the-road guy, probably a little bit more liberal, but solid. Solid. 
morals, yeah. right down to the, you know, the, but he was not enough of a politician. Yeah, and that was, that was his last foray into politics when he didn't get the nomination. He, dro- he yeah. dropped out of politics altogether. Yeah. You still see him occasionally on talk shows, and I do think he wrote a book somewhat recent. I know he's written, written a couple of books, but uh, at any rate. We'll see how the Republican convention unfolds next couple of days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll get all the speeches. And in between the sports talk, we'll throw in a little sports guys talk politics. You're welcome to join us. 888-463-6748. Paul Ryan, Mitt Romney, if any of you are listening to the show right now, uh, we'll give you some free time. Feel free to call in. Are there any Mitt Romney impersonators yet, Dave? Because I don't want to. Just Jason Sudeikis on Saturday Night Live. Oh, he's got it down already? Or I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been, yeah. He did them all last year. <laughs> Doing, not the easiest guy to impersonate just yet. Jason Sudeikis. Okay. Anybody doing Paul Ryan yet? Not yet. Not yet, but it, it'll, we'll, we'll okay. find out in about three weeks when yeah. they start doing their presidential things. Yeah. So. Uh, not a lot of, he's pretty, well, I mean, the, the, they joke and kid about him being very robotic. Well, that's that's the impression is, that, you know, just okay. hopelessly out of touch and, you know, just, yeah. Well, I'm Mitt Romney, and you know, okay, that. playing that act, yeah. 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 <laughs> and they make fun of the kids, of course, all the the different Mitt Juniors. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, and uh, Jason Sudeikis also does. He does a killer Joe Biden. It is so funny. <laughs> it is so funny. See, it, it's like they've been really they've been really leaning on Biden the last couple of years yeah. because now he you can impersonate. Yeah. See, because Obama is such a boring guy, and right. you really you really can't do much with him. <laughs> You know, and I'm not a big fan of uh, Fred Armisen's impersonation. Yeah, I've seen but there's that. Really, there's eh. really, there's really not too much you can do with the guy. But yep. like uh, Biden, on the other hand, it's it's comedy gold. <laughs> it really is. Has he got the Cheshire Cat smile down? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can pull something up. There was real. Yeah. It was really fun. It was funny. He was. Uh, he was like in one of the last episodes of the year. It was like. You know, he's, they have him in his room, and they're punishing him like he's a teenager and everything. He's like, you know, well, why are you doing all these and saying all these things? And it's like, well, my, my my friend George, you know, has been telling me to do that. And it's like, oh, nobody believes in your imaginary friend, George. You have to you quit talking about that. And they all leave the room, and George Bush comes out of the closet. <laughs> and it's him and Will Ferrell doing the whole thing back and forth. So. There you heard it first, folks. George Bush has come out of the closet on Saturday Night Live. And here are the two guys at a mic show. All right, thank you for that uh, political report real quick just to wrap up the show here we got to talk a little baseball from over the weekend the chicago white Sox here locally becoming one of the stories of major league baseball this year one month left of the season they still lead the tigers they've won six in a row swept seattle over the weekend and swept seattle during the week or, uh, swept the yankees during the week six in a row in seattle i believe even though their record is not great i think since the All-Star break, coming into the uh, White Sox here, they had the best record in baseball. Traded Ichiro. And since the All-Star break, and the All-Star break was a month ago now, best record in baseball. So it was a decent Seattle team, and the White Sox got every break imaginable. Many of those breaks served up courtesy of the Seattle Mariners. Thank you very much. But when things are bouncing your way, things are going your way, including a rain delay yesterday. Right after Tyler Flowers hit a two-run homer. Backup catcher. Very good backup catcher, by the way. If A.J. Persinski was having a down year, Tyler Flowers would be uh, playing 120, 130 games. But A.J.'s having a great season, too, so Tyler Flowers getting his at-bats where they can. But he hits a two-run homer. Then the rain comes. Long delay. They cancel the game. It's called after seven. White Sox beat Seattle yesterday 4-3 to sweeping. 
And they got to keep winning because the Detroit Tigers aren't making it easy. Tigers won, I think, beat the Angels yesterday 5-2. to two. They've won five of their last six. So we're set up in the American League Central for a great last month of the season. I know the Sox and Detroit play each other at least a couple of times. Going to be some good head-to-head battles. That's going to be fun to watch and, of course, uh, be fun to talk about. We'll do that here on the two guys at a mic show. So big win for the White Sox. Big win. They got the Baltimore Orioles. No rest for the weary. Travel to Baltimore. Beautiful Camden Yards. Four-game series and you know, the last, what, 15, 20 years. This time of year, you go to Baltimore and you're playing their, their minor league system. But not this year. The Orioles are hanging in there. They have not collapsed. Battling for a wild card spot. It's the best Baltimore Oriole team uh, we've seen in a long, long time. So it's going to be an interesting test for the White Sox. Four games on the road is too bad, Dave, because uh, we do have Francisco Liriano pitching in that that. When I saw that, I had to do like a couple of double takes. It just does not look right. Francisco Liriana, who we've so often been fighting against as a member of the Minnesota Twins, he's now pitching for the Sox, so that was kind of odd. But he's taking on um, Wee-Yen Chen. And I was going to ask Joel's second impersonation or second persona of Ron Santa if he could tell us a little bit about Baltimore pitcher Wee-Yen Chen. But Joel is not here, so we'll just have to assume that since he's starting for the Baltimore Orioles, he's a pretty good pitcher. So that's the matchup at Baltimore next four games. Cubs defeat Colorado 5 to nothing. They uh, took two out of three over the weekend, thank goodness. Because I think they were in a 4-18 slide, so the Cubs win. Big story there is Chris Volstead, July 11th, or July 20th of 2011 was the last time he won a game. 24 consecutive starts without winning a game. He was not brilliant yesterday, but he pitched six and two-thirds. Left with the lead, and thank you, Sean Camp, and thank you, James Russell, and a few other guys for keeping the lead. Chris Volstead off the schneid, wins a game. I think he had the whole uh, pie in the face, Gatorade over the head after uh, finally winning the game. But hopefully, you know, hey, who knows? Maybe they stick with this guy, show some confidence. He catches fire into the season. Stranger things have happened. Maybe Chris Volstead becomes part of the rotation uh, for next year. Apparently he's got potential, and uh, he showed it yesterday, pitching a decent game against Colorado. Cubs get a four-pitcher combined shutout. St. Louis Cardinals. I just want to mention them real quick before the show's over. And it's almost every year that towards the end of the season, they don't have the great St. Tony La Russa anymore. But Mike Matheny, the new manager, Ex-catcher for the Cardinals, he appears to be doing the same thing. Play decent baseball. They survive a bunch of injuries. All of a sudden, very quietly, they're creeping back into it. They have passed up the Pittsburgh Pirate. They're now six games back of the Cincinnati Reds. Still a month ago, I'm just saying. Keep your eye on the St. Louis Cardinals. They did it last year. They can do it again this year. Six games back. Six games back. Pittsburgh, by the way. The Pirates have lost six out of eight. I hope they don't fold. I'd love to see the Pirates in it right to the end. Yeah, I do. We're running out of time, but I don't know if you got the uh, Dodgers-Red Sox on that list there. The trade. It, what some are calling the biggest trade in baseball history. Really? Really. What have we got? Really. Carl Crawford? Carl Crawford, Adrian Gonzalez, and Josh Beckett. Wow. Go to the Dodgers for wow. prospects. Yeah, I see that's... I just, you know, so all of a sudden the Dodgers pick up three stars with a month to go in the season. It just, yep, 
Yep. Yeah. And uh, the Red Sox get it. I guess they got some pretty talented prospects. But mm-hmm. uh, what happened with the Red Sox this season is just, you know, you go out and you sign all these marquee guys and everything like that, and you get egos clashing upon egos. and Clean house. You, exactly. You ca- you cannot buy yeah. chemistry. Yep. You can't buy chemistry. They, de- they, they were calling it a de-theoing. Get rid of a lot of Theo's, guys. Oh, we'll talk about that. Biggest trade, one of the big blockbuster trades, baseball history. i got to think about that. But uh, at any rate, it'll be fun to watch. All right. We will sign off for today. Hopefully the big dog back tomorrow. We'll talk some football for sure. Maybe touch in on the Republican Convention. I don't think we have a reporter down there. But even if we don't, we'll make something up. (laughs) Have a great day, everybody. 10 o'clock tomorrow, we're back at you. Don't be late for the coach, the big dog, producer extraordinaire, David Olson. We'll see you tomorrow at 10.